What's going on, everybody? So I want to let everybody know about my new merch brand. Okay, so I just got one of my new t-shirts that came in yesterday. The reason why I created this brand was because I wanted everybody to think about allowing the stock market to pay for everything that you need. So if you want to go on vacation this summer or go on vacation later this year, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you need to pay for your daughter's tuition, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you want to get an investment property, a beach house, or whatever your life truly desires, don't pay for it, trade for it. If this is a brand that you want to be a part of, that you want to rock, look, go to www.tradeforyourself.com, click catalog, and go look at the products that I have. On top of that, I've got free shipping on all orders. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to rock up on a t-shirt like this. Look, remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm going to catch y'all later on the other side. What's going on, everybody? Hope everybody is doing well today. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's doing well. What's going on, Instagram? Y'all bear with me here while I get everything set up for the live so we can get into it real quick. going on IG. Hope y'all doing pretty good today. Stock market is open. Perfect opportunity for us to build some wealth. So everybody, everybody on IG, appreciate y'all for tapping in. If y'all want to really truly share screens and really truly see what I'm sharing, Come over to YouTube, come over to the Trade for Yourself podcast on YouTube so you can see what I got, see what I'm sharing over here. All right, so I don't want to waste anybody's time, so let's get into it. Again, welcome back to the Trade for Yourself podcast, where the mission here is very simple. I just want to help y'all learn how to trade for yourself, okay? Please like, please subscribe. Make sure y'all hit that notification bell so y'all can be in the know every time I drop an episode. Okay, look, full disclosure, disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, nor am I a fiduciary, okay? I do not manage money professionally, so please do your own research before investing into any stock, okay? Please, like, I really, truly want you guys to really do your work, do your research, and understand that I'm just here to help guide you, okay? Look. Look, you see, I got a new color. I've been wearing black since January. Okay, I've been wearing a black t-shirt since January. But check this out. This is the don't pay for it, trade for it merch. Okay, if, if you like the t-shirt, go over to www.tradeforyourself.com and get you a t-shirt. It's free shipping on all orders. We got blue, we got red, we got green. We got gold, silver, white, and black. Okay, go over there www.tradeforyourself.com click shop click catalog and see what we got over there remember free shipping on all orders okay free shipping on all orders so it's a perfect opportunity for you to rack up as many shirts as you can possibly can 
Now, the title of today's episode, okay, how to buy a stock during a recession. Okay, so we know that today and tomorrow, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell will be speaking in front of both houses of Congress. He spoke in front of the Senate today, and he spoke, in, and he's going to be speaking in front of the House of Representatives tomorrow. Now, understand that he did actually fully admit, he admitted that raising interest rates could tip the United States economy into recession. Okay, now just because, now everybody's been talking about recession. Recession is like a buzzword at this point. Recession, 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 recession. Well, here's the deal. How do I buy a stock during a recession? In full disclosure, the same way you buy a stock during a recession is the exact same way that you buy a stock outside of a recession. The same way you buy a stock is you, you buy the same. If you're in Colorado, if you're in Denver, Colorado, you buy a stock the same way versus if you were in Troy, Alabama. Okay. If, if you were in Charlotte, North Carolina versus if you were in Los Angeles, California, you buy the stock the same way. But the thing is, you have to know how to research and you have to be able to fundamentally analyze the business, understand what the business actually does. Okay. Now, Today is going to be a fundamental analysis teaching session, okay? Teaching session, I really want to call it a masterclass to be 100% honest with you because these are some notes that you need to go to and you need to go through if you want to know how to purchase a stock. So let me go ahead and get ready to share my screen real quick. I don't want to take up everybody's time for too long. Okay, so how I examine a company. Now, this is something I created in January of 2021, and I sent this out to a lot of my people that I invest with, okay? And I wanted to see what their thoughts were on it, and they thought it was pretty good. So now what we're going to do today is we're going to go through how to examine a company. Now, if you have any questions, please reach out to me in the chat, okay, so I can answer these questions on the live for you as we're going through this. Okay, so I'm just going to go through it. It's actually seven different steps, okay? Seven different steps we're going to go through. Now, below are metrics that I use to evaluate a company. All of these metrics must be used together to evaluate a company. However, do not have analysis paralysis when it comes to investing in a company. Every single one of these metrics do not have to be perfect for you to be able to invest in a particular company. Now, when I say analysis paralysis, I mean, don't sit up here and ask your friend, ask your cousin, ask your mom, ask your dad, ask your girl, your dude, whatever. Don't sit up here and be asking all these people about what you need to do when buying a stock. Just jump in. Just jump in and figure it out. Okay, figure it out along the way. Commit first and then figure out the rest later. Okay, just... Just, just do the work and just do the research. Everything is not going to be perfect on your first stock. Your first investment doesn't have to be a home run. It's, it's, it's about being able to build the consistency, building the consistency over time and just building that confidence. Now, there just has to be specific catalysts that you believe in that will propel the company forward in the next five to 10 years. So you have to believe that this company is going to be here over the long term. I'm always going to be constantly, really, truly harping on the long term because right now we're in a recession. 
we're in the midst of a bear market and we don't know when we're going to come out of this bear market. We just don't know. So you've got to be rooted in the long term. If, if, if you have your portfolio rooted in the long term, if you got a long term portfolio and then you got a trading account, even if you blow that trading account, you lose two grand, five grand, 10 grand, whatever. If you still got that long term portfolio, your account will never be killed. OK, so understand that there has to be specific reasons why you are investing in a business over a five to 10 year period. Now, let's go ahead and go through the steps. Number one, you must figure out what the company does and how they monetize it. If you can't tell someone in two minutes how the company makes money, you don't need to be invested in the business. Okay, like it's really just as simple as that. You've got to know how the company makes money because you're putting your money up to get a return on it. So if you don't know what that company is going to be doing with the money that you're giving them, you should not be giving them your money. That, that is the worst possible thing that you could do. Okay, so number two, what is the company's moat? Okay, what is a moat? M-O-A-T. A moat is a competitive advantage that a company has that can't be taken away or a service that a company provides that is commanded and adds value in the marketplace. So for example, Apple, ticker symbol APPL, has a switching moat. Okay, when you are embedded in the Apple ecosystem with their products, it would be extremely inconvenient and costly for you to switch to Android products. So a switching moat is pretty much like, okay, when, when a business has, has a product or a service that you want to hold on to that would be hard for you to, to get rid of, they got you in there. Apple has some, some kind of crazy statistic, like a 97% approval rating in terms of the iPhone. Okay, when you get an iPhone, I, I'm, betting, I'm, I really, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that you are not going to get rid of that iPhone. And then once you add the iPad and once you add your Apple Watch, and once you add your MacBook, like I'm like, I'm pretty much broadcasting on my MacBook. Once you add your Apple TV, you got your Apple TV Plus, you got your Apple products, okay? And on top of that, when you get into AR, VR, Apple releases those Apple glasses, okay? So then we're getting to the AR, VR headset. There's no reason for me to buy the Oculus from Facebook. There's no reason for me to buy the HoloLens from Microsoft. You know, there's no reason for me to think about what Google or Amazon might, might create or what Tesla might create. I'm already in the Apple ecosystem. So to keep everything consistent, I'm going straight with Apple. In addition to that, think about this. Think about this for a second. Apple CarPlay. You see what I'm saying? So everything is integrated. So whenever you get into that Apple ecosystem, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to get out of there. Now, number three. Now, no, okay, before we go to number three, let's, let's go back up to number two real quick. Let's talk, talk a little bit more about moats. Okay, let's talk about a branding moat. Okay, what's a branding moat? A branding moat is pretty much, I would consider it as a company that has a strong brand, like strong brand recognition, like Nike or a company like Procter & Gamble that owns some, some very good brands like Bounty, like Tide, like like game, like, like Mr. Clean, like, like those are solid brands, like, like Gillette and um, like Crest, you know what I'm saying? Like, like those are solid brands in the household product space. And so when you have a branding mode, you have a brand that the competition 
just may not be able to live up to. You may be the big player. You may be the big player in the space. And just that brand alone, okay, is going to be able to continue to have, to be able to continue to have customers coming to you and the competitors trying to figure out, okay, how can I attack this strong brand? Okay, so those are two moats I wanted, I wanted to mention real quick. Okay, number three, who is the CEO? Okay, who is the CEO? Who is running the company? You got to know who is running the company that you are investing in because the CEO is really true like the head coach of a team, right? Like, like, like they got to put everybody into positions to be successful. The CEO is going to be the is going to be the one you're going to hear from the most. You're going to you're going to see them. They're going to have interviews on CNBC. They're going to be highlighting things at, at the analyst days, at, at investor days and at annual meetings. They're going to be highlighting things on the quarterly earnings calls. OK, they should the CEO should be considered should be considered an authority in whatever space they're in. They need to be respected. And so when you look at it from that perspective, okay, what is the CEO's background? Okay, what is their education? Does the education that they receive match up to the, to the industry that they're in? Okay, how long have they been with the company and how long have they been in the company's industry? Okay, so let's take, for example, somebody like Andy Jassy, who was the CEO of Amazon, right? Jeff Bezos was the founder, okay, and the CEO of Amazon. Now he's a chairman now. Okay, so when they were creating Amazon Web Services, okay, Andy Jassy was the CEO of Amazon Web Services, and he's been with the company for almost 25 years, if not more than 25 years. And so when he slid into that CEO realm, he knows exactly how Amazon is ran. Now, understand this, understand what I'm about to say here, okay? I've done a lot of research on Amazon as a company understand that their biggest growth driver is Amazon Web Services. That's the biggest growth driver. Amazon is a technology company mixed with a logistics company. So understand Amazon's Web Services is the next level for growth. The CEO of Amazon Web Services slid right into the CEO of the entire company, right? Understand that parallel and understand what happened there, okay? And understand like, how long has he been in the industry? He knows. He knows exactly what has to happen, okay? Where has the CEO been and how has the company improved since the CEO has been there? Let's take AMD, Dr. Lisa Su, CEO of AMD. When she came over in the 2000, when she came over in 2014, AMD was, was on the cups of going bankrupt. AMD was like a $2 stock. But over the course of those last eight years, the company ended up getting as high as $164 a share. Now the stock price got cut in half due to, due to economic factors, but we understand that the value is still there. The value is still up there. So understand what has the CEO been doing since it's been in place. That's very truly important. Number four, what form should be used to evaluate a business? Okay, a 10Q. Okay, 10Q is a quarterly earnings report that explains how the company has done in a particular quarter. So it's going to tell you about the assets, it's going to tell you about the liabilities, it's going to tell you about, you know, the cash flow, it's going to tell you about some of the debt th that the company has, it's going to explain to you, it's going to explain to you some intricacies about the company, right, about it's going to explain to you, you know what I'm saying, what may be a little bit about the company's competitors or whatever, tell you a little bit about the business, 
Okay, that's what you're going to see in the 10Q. Okay, what's the 10K? The 10K is the company's annual report that explains what they've accomplished in a given year. The 10K will give you things like the shareholders letter, company competition, company long-term contracts, company debt structure, et cetera. Okay, that's what you want. That's really truly what you want to look for to really truly understand what the business does. Okay, understand what the business does understand what the main competitors are to the business okay looking at what the business had done from an annual perspective because when you're looking at valuation metrics like for example pe and you've got that eps that earnings per share piece that's connected to that you've got to look at that from an annual perspective don't look at it just don't look at it from a quarter over quarter perspective because the thing is is that a lot of times a lot of businesses are cyclical Sometimes a lot of their money is going to come in in Q1 versus what would come in in Q4, Q2, Q3, vice versa. So you have to look at a business from a holistic perspective over a given year. So the quarterly earnings release, okay, this is a PDF that will highlight and give a snapshot of how the company has been performing over the quarter. It will typically tell you how the company has performed in key areas year over year. Now, the earning, the quarterly earnings release pretty much coincides with the 10Q. The 10Q and 10Ks are forms that have to be submitted by law to the SEC, right? You have to submit these every single quarter and annually to the SEC to be filed as a publicly traded company. Okay, so, so how do you really truly get to understand and really truly get to this stuff? So if you want to get to the 10K and you want to get to the 10Q, you Google search any public company's investor relations and you can find the 10Q and the 10K, which are referred to as SEC filings. Okay, so for example, if you wanted to look up Apple, you would type in Google Apple investor relations. You would click on it. It'll probably be the first thing that'll pop up in Google. You click on it and then you'll go through everything you need to go through. Everything from an investor relations standpoint. Now, I know a lot of people have been to a lot of companies' websites. But I bet very few have actually went to the investor relations page. Okay, so spend some time going to the investor relations page because that's where the money's made. <laughs> that's where the money's made. That's where we know how everything is going on with the company. All right, number five, okay, balance sheet analytics. Okay, so let's talk about the current ratio. The current ratio is the current assets over the current liabilities, okay? Current assets are assets that are due to a company in the next 12 months. That means that the company is due to receive that money within the next 12 months. Current liabilities are liabilities that a business owes in the next 12 months. The current ratio between current assets and current liabilities needs to be positive, right? It just needs to be positive. You need to have more coming in than you got going out, right? That's just, that's basic math. A current ratio of two or greater is good, because that's telling me that I'm bringing in twice as twice as many assets than I have going out. You know what I'm saying? This, this is great. Like, this is really, truly great. Now, the next thing is the debt to equity ratio. The debt to equity ratio, long-term debt over stockholders equity. A debt to equity ratio of 0.5 or less is good. This is indicative of a company that has manageable debt. This is very important because it's very hard for a business to go bankrupt without debt, okay? Like, it's very hard for a business to go bankrupt, right, if they don't got no debt, okay? The stockholders' equity is how much money would be due to the shareholders if the business was liquidated right then, 
Okay, on the balance sheet, long-term debt will be listed as, as either long-term debt, convertible senior notes, or any other debt that could be considered a burden to the company, just as an unpaid pension plan. Okay, side note, I do not consider long-term lease liabilities as long-term debt. I liken long-term lease liabilities to a person signing a 12-month lease for an apartment. Okay, unpaid rent only shows up on your credit report when you don't pay it and get evicted. Okay, I'm not saying that you need to ignore it because it's listed on the balance sheet and it's something that's going to be listed over, over multiple years. But what I'm saying is that I wouldn't include it in the debt to equity ratio because if you're paying these lease liabilities, that's really just the cost of just running the business, in my opinion. So when you look at the debt to equity ratio, keep that in mind and do some more research on that. Do some more research on debt to equity ratio and see what you need to include into it to be safe. If you are interested in long-term lease liabilities, please check the 10K or the 10Q for more information. Now, price to book ratio is the stock price divided by the total assets minus the total liabilities divided by the total shares outstanding. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot, but let me just explain to you what price to book ratio is and how my viewpoint on this has changed over the last year and a half. The price to book ratio tells you how a stock is valued in relation to its current stock price and current book value. Okay, what is book value? Book value is just, in, in simplistic terms, how much the business is actually worth. Like, like really truly going through all the assets going through all the liabilities, CapEx, like, like all your goodwill, all that put together, that's your book value. A ratio of one to three means a stock is fairly valued. If it's under one, a company is undervalued. And if it's over three, it's overvalued. Note, if a stock is overvalued based on price to book, it does not mean that you can't buy the company. I'm gonna talk about this in a minute. Other metrics would have to be used to determine buy-in price because it's 52-week high, which may be 52-week 52 52 week high, 52-week low, 50-day moving average, 100-day moving average, 200-day moving average, RSI, Bollinger Bands, et cetera, all, all technical analysis stuff. Now, the price-to-book ratio, I don't really take that much stock into the price-to-book ratio. Now, that could be due to the types of companies that I am really, truly paying attention to at this current moment in time. A lot of high-value tech companies, a lot of high value, a lot of high-valued consumer discretionary companies, a lot of high-valued communication services companies. Your price-to-book ratio is not going to be anywhere between one and three. It's, it's just not going to be anywhere between that. Okay, so understand this. When I'm looking at price to book, I would have to look at price to book from other areas of the market. And that's something that I'm that I am charging myself with. Okay, so me personally, as an investor, I could talk to you all day long about technology. I could talk to you all day long about consumer discretionary. I could probably talk to you a little bit about consumer communication services based on the companies that are in there, like Google and Facebook and Netflix and whatnot. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know that much about utilities. I'm not that tapped into materials. I'm not that tapped into industrials like that. Not that tapped into energy. Not that tapped into real estate or healthcare. You know, like I'm just not. But I understand 
that I'm charging that with myself as a dope investor. If I'm going to be a dope investor, I have to be able to know the entire market. I'm not saying I need to be able to know every single biotech company in the S&P 500. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that as I go through my investor career, I'm going to meet people from other areas of the market. So I need to be able to, I need to be able to speak intelligently to a person so we can be able to go through some things. So from the stocks that I've researched, like if you've been tapped into the trade for yourself podcast, and you've seen a lot of the stocks I talk about, I haven't looked at price to book on those. And if I were to, the price of the book would be nowhere, anywhere between one and three, right? Nowhere. But if I go to a company for, but if I go to a materials company, or if I go to an industrials company, or if I go to a company like, you know, a biotech company, maybe possibly I could see price the books in between one to three. So the one thing I want to say is, is that be very wary of price the book. Okay, just just do your own research. Don't look if if the price of the book is over three, don't let that be the one reason why you don't buy the stock. Let's just say that. Don't let that be the one reason why you don't buy the stock. All right. Next step, cash and cash equivalents. This is either cash they have sitting in the bank or cash that be, that can't be converted to cash very quickly. Note the changes in cash from quarter to quarter i.e. what the business has at the beginning of the period and in the period. In relation to debt, ask yourself this question. Can the cash the business has cover the debt the business has? We, we, always, want, we always want to see a cash, see the cash in a business increasing over time. So really, truly ask yourself that question. So for example, one of my largest positions, AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, ticker symbol AMD, AMD has enough cash to where they could pay their debt off that they have on their balance sheet today. They could be debt-free today based on the amount of cash. They have so much cash. And it's, they have so much cash in relation to the debt that they could pay it off today. Those are the types of businesses you want to be a part of. You want businesses that have enough cash to where they could pay off the debt today, Right. And you want and you want companies that have a, that have a lot more long term debt than short term debt because if it's short term debt that means companies owe that means companies will owe that within the next twelve months. If it's long term debt, that means that that debt will be owed out in twelve months or longer. And and pay attention: Does the company have a structure in place to be able to pay that debt down over the course of time? That's what's going to tell you about the management and about what companies really truly do. You see what I'm saying? That's really what I want you to look at and look into. Okay, so that's the cash. Gross profit. Revenue minus the cost of revenue. We need this value to be positive because this is a key metric in the health of a business. It can't cost a business more to make revenue than for the business to actually bring in the revenue. We need this to be increasing over time. Okay, so let's just stop here. Let's just stop here. We want that gross profit to be positive. We want a company to have profit. But in some cases, a company may not have profit. If you're an IPO, okay, if you're an IPO or if you're a young buck out here, if you're a company out here that just, that's just new, that's just new and it's just 
You any cash flow you get, you're just reinvesting it back into the business. There's nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of good growth companies out there that I personally like that are like that. But think about it. Let's ask ourselves this question: How do we buy stock in a recession? Okay, in a recessionary environment, those companies are not going to win. But just just understand that you can still have a portion of that in your portfolio. You can still have a you can still have a portion of companies that don't actually generate a profit in your portfolio if you believe in the businesses. Okay, if you believe in the businesses, if you've actually done the research. Okay, that's the key, really truly doing the research, going through one through five, understanding the types of products and the services the business has, understanding who the CEO is. That would give you a reason. Like I said, all of these things are just things you need to think about. Not one thing is going to stop you from getting there. Okay, operating income, gross profit minus operating expenses. If operating income is positive, this is great, but it's not mandatory, especially for a young business, like I just said. The question should be, what is the business spending money on? If they are spending money on research and development or advertising and marketing, those things are, are things that we like to see. Okay, now, now that I see advertising and marketing here, I might want to adjust this a little bit. Research and development is very important, especially for a technology company. And especially if you're a young technology company, you're trying to research and develop, especially in startup worlds and all of that. Right now, you're trying to invest a lot to really truly get that next wave of technology. So when we get to the other side of recession, these are the companies that are moving and shaking, and they're really going to be making some big moves. They're going to be making big splashes on the other side of the recession. So understand that. Understand that. I like really truly keep that in mind. So we, we just need the company to capitalize on the heavy investment into themselves. Earnings calls, 10Qs, 10Ks are good places to check and see specifics on how a company is spending their money, right? EPS, earnings per share. EPS tells you how much profit a business made. To determine that, you must multiply the reported EPS times the shares outstanding, okay? This number needs to be increasing over time. Note that the time it takes for a business to turn a profit can vary from business to business, industry to industry, et cetera, et cetera, right? So understand, okay, EPS, remember earnings per share, okay? How do you get that dollar amount in the profit? You multiply the EPS. So if you had a dollar, $1 in EPS, and you had 10 shares outstanding, that means the business made $10, okay? That's, that, that's a simple calculation to see how much profit the business was generating. Now, this can vary from business to business, industry to industry, and sector to sector based on the amount of time it takes you to get the profitability. It might take you a while. I know Amazon, I want to say it may have took Amazon, a business that was created in 1997, maybe 2014 before they got the profitability, right? And they're considered consumer discretionary, right? They're a tech company, guys. Amazon Web Services, I'm not going to keep telling y'all this, AWS, Amazon Web Services is, is, is a different type of company, but, Am, but, but Amazon's path to profitability is different from Tesla's path to profitability, even though they're in the same industry, right? Different from Salesforce, which is a technology company over here. That's different, right? Different from Procter & Gamble's 
path to profitability, right? Consumer staples, different from different from UPSs or FedExs or Microsofts or Google, Apple, whatever you want to call it, all of these businesses are moving and shaking in their own way. And so the path to profitability is going to be different. So you got to be able to think as an investor on this type of stuff. Okay, earnings calls. These give you a report from management on how the business has been performing. These are extremely insightful because you get to hear analysts from major financial institutions ask the company's management questions about the corner. The earnings calls can answer some questions that you may have about the business. A lot of people, look, I need y'all to really truly tap in to the earnings call. The earnings call will tell you a lot that you need to know about the business. Look, financial analysts from Webbush Securities or from JP Morgan or from Citibank or from Wells Fargo or from BlackRock, they're calling in and they're asking questions to Tim Cook. They're asking Satya Nadella. They're asking Elon Musk these questions and they got to answer. And so they're getting paid to do the research, right? All you got to do is listen and read. That's it. They're doing the research for you. The only thing you got to do is spend the time to listen and read. That's it. And then, and then you'll be able to think for yourself the same way that you trade for yourself. You understand? That's what you got to do to be able to make it to the next level. These earnings calls, I cannot, I cannot reiterate this enough. The earnings calls tell you the story. If you hear a CEO on an earnings call being shaky, can't really can't really answer a question like like listen to how polished the CFO is listen to how polished the CFO is whenever they're spitting off those financial results for the previous quarter see how polished the CEO is when they're giving you that rundown giving you that roadmap and really truly trying to make it make sense to you make it make sense to you to tell you how the company is performing understand earnings calls are super key Okay, shareholders letters. Number seven, last one, last one, shareholders letters. These letters from the CEO explain where they see the business going and what they want to accomplish. Going back and looking at shareholders letters from previous years allow you to see if the CEO has been living up to their goals and aspirations for the business. Now, understanding that the CEO is going to put out a shareholders letter annually, and they're going to let you know the things that they see happening for the business. They're going to let you know that. And they're going to clearly define that for you so you can understand that. So reading that, understanding that from a holistic perspective, being able to understand what the annual report says from a holistic perspective is going to be very, very important. So I hope that all this information will be of value to you. There is so much more to investing in a business, but I gave you the metrics that I care about based on the expertise that I have at this time. This is a challenge for you to take these metrics, start evaluating businesses and develop your own metrics based on how you view businesses. Remember, knowledge without execution is worse than not having the knowledge at all. So look, take the time. Okay, to really truly break this stuff down, let, let me stop sharing my screen here for a second. Look, everybody, everybody that really truly wants to be a dope investor, okay, listen to me here and listen to me quickly, okay? 
This is not for the faint of heart, okay? We're in a bear market. We're, we're, we're on the path to an impending recession, inflation, all these things that are going on, okay? In order to be a dope investor, okay? And number one, first of all, if you're going to invest in singular stocks, if you're going to invest in Apple outright, if you're going to invest in Lululemon outright, if you're going to invest in Coinbase outright, you're going to have to be able to understand these businesses fundamentally and be able to know what the businesses do, right? In order to be able to do that. Now, you don't, now just because, now just because now some people, their risk tolerance may not allow them to invest in singular stocks, so that's okay. That's why investing into the S&P 500, ticker symbol SPY, ticker symbol SPLG, that's good for you. Investing in the NASDAQ 100, ticker symbol QQQ, right? That's good for you. Investing in the Dow Jones, ticker symbol DIA. Investing in the Russell 2000, the young companies on the come up, ticker symbol IWM. That's where you have to be. That's where you have to be in order to be able to have that diversification if you don't really know how to, if you don't even know how to break down companies and be able to think for yourself. Understand that investing is the long game. It's a marathon. You're not going to know everything on day one, but you got to ask yourself a question and are, ask yourself this question. Are you going to make building wealth a priority for your life? You see, you see, I created the Trade for Yourself podcast where my mission here is very simple. I just want to help people learn how to trade for themselves. But at the same time, what I understood was, was that I have the ability to teach. And what I want to do is, and for me, I'm making building wealth a priority for my life because I understand that I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish. And so I just want you and I want other people that are connected to you to want to make building wealth a priority for your life. So understand this, understand that you don't have to know all seven of those things off the top of the dome, right off, right off rip. You don't just take it little by little, go through one company and just try, right? Try to spend the time, try to get yourself through an earnings call, right? But this is what it takes, like doing this dirty work. This is what it takes to really truly be a dope investor. And so what I want to say is, look, everybody that's tapping in with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Mr. Devon Elder. That's Mr. M-R-D-A-V-O-N-E-L-D-E-R. You can reach out to me at www.tradeforyourself.com. Click the contact button. You can fill that out. You can email me at tradeforyourself22 at gmail.com. That is T-R-A-D-E-F-O-R-Y-O-U-R-S-E-L-F-22 at gmail.com. Look, if you want to talk to me about breaking down the company, let's break down the company together. Let's do it. I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to research. Like, I'm trying to build. So please, like, so please, like, I'm so passionate about this because I really, truly want people to make building wealth a priority for, for our lives. And that's why I'm taking the time to really, truly let people know what you got to do to be successful out here in the market. And if you're going to invest in individual companies, if you're not going to invest in individual companies, 
then just buy the ETFs, okay? Because I don't want you to get hurt out here. I just want you to invest and just invest over time, dollar cost average, that's what you need to do. But if you want to come over here on this side, you're going to have to put that work in. So as always, I appreciate y'all for tapping in. Please like, please subscribe. Look, hit that notification bell so y'all can be in the know every time I drop an episode. Check out the t-shirts. Don't pay for it. Trade for it, y'all. Go to www.tradeforyourself.com. Tap in with me. Look, look, if you like the shirt, okay, if you like the shirt and you want to support the brand, get you a shirt. I've got free shipping on all orders. If you really, truly rock with the brand, get you three, four, five, six of them. Get however many you need, okay? Get however many you need, like for real. Like I appreciate y'all as always. Hope I didn't keep y'all too long. Remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm going to tap in with y'all next week.